The Unstuff America podcast is hosted by the most organized man in America, Andrew Mellon. Listen in for Andrew's take on America's clutter crisis. From guns to gold, he dives deep into America's self-destructive obsession with possession and how that impacts the American dream. Get real-life tools and strategies to take responsibility, set yourself free, and live your values every day. And now, Andrew Mellon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unstuff America. I'm really excited about our guest today. I know that I say that often, and I'm often excited about our guests. We have great guests. Today, we have Melanie Kintaya, who is a writer, actor, and humorist. She's the critically acclaimed author of Actor, Writer, Whatever. And I'm so happy to have you on the program today, Melanie. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure, of course. So tell, tell everybody who's listening a little bit about you. What do you do for work? I mean, we understand you're a writer, actor, and a humorist, mm-hmm. but what does that look like for you? What's your home life like? Do you live alone with other people? So we get a context for okay. a, a day in the life. A day in the life. Well, I am an actor, what I call a rank and file or bread and butter. Most people know them as character actors. So I'm a working actor. So uh, my week could consist of an audition or two. Um, I am a writer. I have a humor blog on the Huffington Post, um, as well as other publications every now and again. I also am really active in New York Women in Film and Television, and I'm on a couple committees there. And so I do work at home. I also live very close to um, the public library, so I work often there. Cafe, I live with my husband and uh, elementary school-aged daughter. Excellent. Great. And what about parents? Alive? uh, my mom lives close by in Connecticut. Okay. Um, and I ask that question always because I think for those of us in that sandwich generation who have possibly small children and mm-hmm. older adult parents who right. are still alive, that there is often that tug between caring for the next generation and also having a certain amount of attention focused on the previous generation that, you know, if your folks are gone, then there's a whole set of circumstances that comes with that. But if they're alive, depending on their health situation and how, you know, how present they are in your life, how present you are in their life, I think it sometimes adds a degree of, I don't want to call it complication because it's a, hopefully it's a love relationship. And yet- there's, there are things that need to be done, deadlines, uh, accountability that needs to be figured in when we're trying to map out, like, what does a day look like? How am I showing up for the things that matter? It's right. a variable that has to be considered. So that's always yeah. why, just contextualize it for the listeners and for you. Right. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky my mother's in very, very good health. So Excellent. those Excellent. aren't issues yet. Good, good. That's great. So tell us, what inspires you? What are you really passionate about? Oh, well, I, 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 you can't be in this career unless you really <laughs> love it because it's, it's just not worth it otherwise. Um, I uh, like public space. I like, uh, I'm a runner. I, um, I like living near a park. So, and, uh, you know, I always feel like passionate is this big word. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of more driven by, um, sort of the concept of flow uh-huh. more is like, so, so what, what can I get engaged in? Uh, what's going to be interesting? What am I going to sort of lose myself in? So that's like, for me, that is the acting, that's the writing that is spending time with family where you're just, uh, 
um, not distracted by your phone or whatnot. It's running. It's it's uh, enjoying the city, um, mm-hmm. public space, that kind of thing. Cool. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. The passionate ideas. It doesn't need to be like passion with a big B P. But just the idea of what you know, what gets you fired up, what gets you out of the house you know, or even get you engaged in the house so that, you know, right. that, that those things that, that uh, in the morning when you're, when anybody is faced with get out of bed ugh, or wow, let's get out of bed. There's something to do today. That thing that pulls people out. Cause I know that certainly for a lot of my listeners, um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Certainly if you're dealing with stuff, right. I mean, the physical manifestation right. of stuff, it, it, it literally feels sometimes like you're sleeping with it, even if it isn't in your bed, that, the thought of waking up and there's crap to deal with can become exhausting and overwhelming before you even meet the day. So it's helpful right. to remember those values, those things that you can tap into that get you, get you out of the bed and ready to face whatever it is that's waiting for you, whether it's a pile of papers on your kitchen counter or a new project. It doesn't really, it, the, thing, the, the, the thing doesn't really matter as much as I'm engaged and I'm ready to participate. That's right. That's where that's what I think of when I think about as passionate, you know. Passion. Yeah. So and what, what so on the other side, what really upsets you? What pisses you off? What really gets your goat? Oh geez. I mean, I think in today's political climate, like the list is endless. <laughs> in <laughs> in daily, and this it just feels like a barrage. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's plenty to talk about there. Um, I think, uh, greed (laughs) bothers me, corruption. I mean, I don't want to confuse like the profit motive with greed. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's a point in which, um, enough has to be enough. Like there's, you know, how much money do you need? Um, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot that fires me up, and, and that's sort of a gelatinous answer. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's plenty, and and I think the challenge right now is if, if you want to stay engaged politically and civically, is to like kind of finding ways to put that wall up so it's not taking over, every, you know, those thoughts and those feelings, and sometimes those things can make you feel helpless, like to yes. put a wall up so you're not, you know you know, basically dealing with despair. <laughs> right. No, I, I think, yeah. that, I, I mean, wherever you are on the political spectrum, the news cycle is pretty relentless these days and it continues to feed a tremendous amount of, it's, it's generous to call it information. I don't even, I don't right. even necessarily qualify it as information. It's certainly noisy stuff flying at your face. It's not always. Exactly. And, it's not also. It's not often uh, informative in the sense it's it feels sensational and no different than a cat caught in a tree or you know somebody having a date that's a celebrity and really I don't care. So yeah, no, I can agree with that, and I I also think that like you know with my physical space I'm pretty spare, um, and I'm, I try to be very selective of what comes into the space. You can't and like with a small child it's hard to get a birthday party is to come home with a bag full of like plastic tchotchkes and right. they never want to get rid of stuff although my daughter's actually pretty good with the limited space she understands that like i only have so much if i want a room that i can move around in and enjoy the space in here there's only so much stuff i can have she's very good at using household materials for play and 
making their own stuff, but it's the, the news and the Facebook and it's that kind of stuff that it's like, I, I'm working towards like, do I need to read seven articles about the same thing? Like I'm informed. There's a point in which you are informed and I think it's important to be informed and not shy away from what's going on in the world and do what you can. Um, whether it's contacting a senator or, you know, if it's your, you know, local, you know, grocery store newspaper working for speed bump somewhere, so even, regardless of what scale you're looking at. Right. But there's a point in which it's no longer, you're not doing the world any good reading 10 articles or clicking around, sort of mindlessly clicking around, and you're not doing yourself any good. And so there's, you're just sort of emotionally getting fired up to, to a place that's, that's almost has the opposite effect of being active and engaged and feeling sort of empowered and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. I think that it is, um, it, for all of the talk about the opioid uh, addiction in this country and other forms of addiction, it's a curious thing that there's this insidious um, ramping up of everybody's adrenal system and getting everybody engaged in that way that you say that's about being there's movement but it's not actually going anywhere it's it really is spinning on a gerbil wheel and so people feel um, they feel falsely engaged or somehow because their their energy is being manipulated that they're doing right. something but all they're doing is getting really upset and then really exhausted and deflated and that cycle i think also is is part of why we launched this this podcast was Mm -hmm. to support people in breaking those bad habits and actually directing the real energy towards affecting change whatever that change is instead of feeling like you're doing something because that's the same thing when it comes to decluttering your life when it comes to getting organized if you keep moving the same crap around your apartment and just parking it someplace but right. never actually putting it away you feel like you're doing something because you're in motion but nothing has actually shifted and so right. it's important to recognize that completing the task and actually assigning something a home and putting it in its home is that version when it comes to clutter and stuff. And the, the social, the civic, the political version of that is writing the letter to, whether it's the dog catcher or the president, you know, showing up at a town hall meeting, again, whether it's with a senator or with your city council person or your, right, exactly. your neighborhood uh, community board, doesn't matter. The scale is not what's important. It's the engagement that matters and that you're not just in the loop of your own thinking, thinking, I'm so upset. Now I'm exhausted. I'm so upset. And now I'm exhausted. And that just, right, right, right. that keeps us passive and stationary, which without getting into, you know, conspiracy theories, I think it really serves the people who are greedy and want to make decisions for us, not necessarily in our best interest. If we're all exhausted and, you know, in a puddle of sweat in our living room, we're less likely to show up and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about the choice that you say you're making on my behalf. I'm not happy about that choice. Right. Right. And I I think, uh, you know, and I'm not certainly not perfect at this on my own. I mean, I do buy, you know, I do have software that does it for me. <laughs> I've delegated the self-discipline, right. you know, because it's really easy. So I do have software that won't allow me to be on, 
social media during during certain hours of the day. Oh, excellent! Um, Would you share those links with us offline? I mean, we can then because sure. I'll share them with the I'll share them with the listeners just because it's useful to know. You know, what sure. Do you do? And there's, I mean, a, but there's a ton of them. Sure. And you can find one that's tailor made for your life. And you know, when I I started when I know I'm going to be with my daughter like after school for a chunk of time, like turning that on. So I'm not even tempted, like turn off the news sites, turn off. So even if I mindlessly, because you, uh, you find yourself doing it mindlessly yes, and, th- and then it'll pop up it, that, Oh, I blocked this. And then, then you re-engage. And so it's, it's not that I have this like incredible discipline that I'm, I'm able to do all of these <laughs> things on my own. I just, Delegate, I've delegated that discipline because especially when something's new and it's fresh and it's in the zeitgeist, you, you start to. And so this kind of gives me a little bit of, but I still do it. Yeah. So it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. Yes. Right. But, and, and again, uh, yeah, we're not necessarily promoting those particular apps or softwares, but just to give people a, a springboard of like, find something like this that will work for you, right? I mean, here's what Mal uses, but you don't need to use this. You can use any one of these, any one of these sort of nanny gate kinds of things will be the thing that will watch the web for you and shut you off when it needs to. Right. Cool. Well, on a scale from one to 10, given that, given what we've already talked about, one being the least organized and 10 being like super organized, where would you put yourself on that scale? Okay. It depends. There's, I'm going to put a qualifier. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't have a lot of stuff. So because I don't have a lot of stuff, you could probably put me at a seven or eight because I can usually find what I'm looking for, whatever. But there are certain pools. Like if you took the stuff that I have, it's not tremendously organized. Like certain Ah. places, like um, when we moved into this apartment, I was sort of the contractor on the apartment <laughs> and I was also writing the book at the time, you know, and I, my daughter at the time was a toddler. I also had a day job at the time, which I don't have now. And so when we moved in, we just kind of put things away to mm-hmm. make it away. And then the, so the kitchen doesn't make sense. Got or it. There's like some extra stuff over here, or there's like, there's just like little things one or two little spaces that's like, you know, I've been meaning to get around to that uh-huh. and it kind of falls, but the saving graces because we don't have a lot of stuff and we're the one thing we're excellent about is editing, getting rid of stuff. And I used to feel bad if someone gave me something <laughs> that I would have to feel like I had to hold on to it for a certain amount of time. And now that time sh- it gets shorter and shorter. So it's like, like 15 minutes, a half an hour? How long? <laughs> it depends. Do you, walk, do you walk by Housing Works on your way home? <laughs> Not quite, um, but close. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I, I just, we just don't have the room for it. Sure. And, and so your house seems more spacious and, and it's more enjoyable if you could see. But, you know, there's times where you're tired of this and you just don't take that minute to put things away. Right. But then, it, but it'll it'll irritate me, and eventually, you know, spring into action. Right. So I guess the the saving graces I would be less organized if I had more things. Got it. Okay. So then the, uh, the takeaway I think for the listeners is, and I'm not I'm definitely not picking on you. I mean, so, but just okay. to, just to be clear, that thing <laughs> of 
the, the story of, right, later, I mean, so you are saved by the fact that you have less, so that even if you're in a junky utility drawer or a junky um, utensil drawer, you can mostly find things because you don't have 19 spatulas, you only have three of them. And it could be that the Tupperware lids are mixed in that drawer instead of being in a discrete drawer with just other Tupperware lids and bottoms. Right. So it's, it's like the, or, or the bottoms and the lids are like across the kitchen. It's not convenient. It's like five right. X, F, you know, it's the, not the most logical, maybe that's a better way for it. But yeah. also we don't have, we don't have things we don't use. Which is great. So, I mean, that is, a, I think that that's a great um, floor to put in place for anybody who's listening, right? I mean, if we get, if we get to the point where, there's nothing surplus in the house. Right. The the lack of absolute and not perfection, but absolute meaning everything has a home. Everything has a home. Not most things have a home. Everything has a home. It becomes it becomes easier to to mark that journey than if there's too much stuff and everything doesn't have a home. So I mean you're right. you're well on the way. But you know, my professional encouragement is just going to be set aside that time to to button those things up because all of those little five minutes here and 10 minutes there when you're looking for the lid or those will add up. And the sad statistic is, of course, that the average person will waste a year of their life looking for lost or misplaced items. And I say it all the time, it's not, nobody's going to spend a year of their life looking for the lid to the Tupperware container or their mobile phone or their wallet, right? It's going to be five minutes here and 10 minutes there. And if you're going to nickel and dime yourself out of a year of your life and yeah. nobody wants that I mean, to be your reality. I think everything has a place, but it's just not the most logical place. Got it. You know, especially for a shorter person. So things I use every day are up high, but things I rarely use are down low. And so, yeah, it would be sort of taking everything down and then yeah. putting it back. So. Yeah. Which I mean, again, I mean, it's all, it's budgeting the time Time to do it in the first place, right? Right. Well, either the first place is certainly the best place, right? Because it's, because if you do it the first time, then you don't ever have to go back. Now you have to, you have to gear yourself up for like, well, I already did it once. I really am not motivated to do it. I'm just, it's, it feels like it's a minor win when everything is already someplace as opposed to its ideal home. It's, it becomes a little harder to, to do that. To motivate yourself, right? Yeah. Well, so speaking of motivation, let's talk about let's talk about activism and participating in in civic activities mm-hmm. and how I mean your success is doing it as a citizen, right? I mean not as a right. uppercase uh capital A activist, but just as a mom and a neighbor. So um because I think again that is often people look at participating as if it's I don't have a big window of time, so there's nothing, you know, that's the all or nothing mindset, the, the right. absolutes, which is one of the 200 lies that we tell ourselves is, I can't make a big change, so I really can't make a small change. And when you don't even know the outcome of the change, where, right. like in your case, you, you took a step forward, you got a big response, we, we don't necessarily need to be tied to what the response is as much as it is we're moving into action. So tell us a little bit about what, what you did and, and what happened. Okay, so um, I found out that the prices of EpiPens had gone up tremendously. And, and um, I had read an article on uh, Stat Magazine through PBS NewsHour, and 
you know, it, it sort of was in the zeitgeist, a couple of articles here and there. And a friend on Facebook had complained about how much her EpiPen had cost for her daughter. And it, it was ridiculous. It was in the thousands. And, and so um, I'm like, well, that makes no sense. I played a nurse on TV for a very long time. <laughs> We're giving people the EpiPen. I mean, this is, this, it wasn't any kind of new technology or any kind of new drug. It's been around, epinephrine has been around since the turn of the century. And my husband has a swelling condition. He gets one as in abundance of caution. Our insurance covers it. I think we only paid like $25 for it. Um, but then we're realizing how much, you know, it made me realize how much it costs. And then with my friends complaining, you know, and we just felt, I felt bad. Like every other kid at my daughter's school has a peanut allergy. This is, it's light threatening. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to write to my senator. And because I have friends who are also entrepreneurs and they're busy, I'm like, you know what, if I do a petition that on purpose that just sends a letter automatically or an email to their senators, then I'm making it easy for other people to do as well. I wrote it up, I signed it, uh, forwarded it to my friend, she forwarded it. Um, she has a pretty robust social media presence and forgot about it. Last I checked, there were 12 signatures. Um, I go away for the summer, come back, I'm homesick with the you know flu. And uh, I get an email from the New York Times. Did you sign this petition? <laughs> and I said, no, actually, I started that petition. She's like, there's 75,000 signatures on it. <laughs> and, you know, Bernie Sanders had picked it up. Blumenthal in Connecticut had picked it up. And it went viral. And the CEO wound up before Congress. And now there are um, much cheaper generic alternatives. It wasn't exactly the outcome I wanted. I really wish there was more um, permanent public policy. So we're not playing a game of whack-a-mole because now I'm seeing insulin prices rise. Right. But, you know, I, have, I had no horse in this race. It wasn't going to affect my family whatsoever. I just saw something wrong. Um, I did, you know, this one little petition. It took me about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, you know, um, and that was it. And I think the biggest takeaway is that my first name is spelled uniquely. If my name was spelled the more traditional way, it would have yielded nothing in this reporter's Google search. And I would have never known, nor the world, that I was the one that sort of lit the match. Right. And so whatever it is you're doing, you might not know. You might not know that your letter to your senator is the one that landed on the desk that really changed their mind. Or you might not know that you were the tipping point or you're part of this mass of, of letters that they've gotten. But it's, it's worth it. Just take, instead of that outrage, 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 like take, take 10, 15 minutes. And you never know, you never know how that's going to come back. But you're going to feel a little bit more, after I did that, I felt better. Right. Because I at least had done something. Yes. And I had no idea how it was going to come back. Of course. And then on to the next, you know, and then. Right. And so I think that it, I think the takeaway is it, it is important to to acknowledge that it's the action that matters. You you have no control over the results, and that in fifteen or twenty minutes you can do something more than. Calling up a friend and saying, "Oh my God, I just read this in the paper. I'm so upset," and then getting a snack, right? I mean that that 
in and of itself, unless your friend is a senator or, or somebody who's a, in a position to do something. It's just, it's the complaining in and of itself. There are plenty of things for all of us to be aggrieved about. It's how do we then turn that into some sort of an action and let go of the result after it. So rather right. than just being upset, take a step forward, which you did so brilliantly, simply, and, and bonus had tremendous impact. Even if it had not, when you finished creating the survey and releasing it into the world, you felt like you had done something, which in and of itself is the reward. Right, right. I mean, it, I mean, it was purposeful in the way, way that instead of just a self-contained petition, it was right. something where someone could easily click. Right. To, to, to make it, make it um, do something. And then if you're trying to create community, do something that makes it easy for other people to do what you did and participate as well. Yes. I would probably add that little piece. Yeah, no, I think it's essential. Yeah. I think that given that you're engaged, one is engaged. If you are then trying to engage other people around you, make the bar really low so that all they have to do is push a button, do, a th do one thing that will then hopefully right. trigger them into action. If you give them a nine-step process, it's only the most committed people that are going to climb in and say, yes, I'm on board. I'm right. so upset about this that I will walk through nine steps of behavior to, to finish a task. Right. Right? And people might have the intention, oh. but it's easier to put it off. Some, if something's just going to take you two minutes as opposed to something that's going to take you 10 to 20, you know, like you might put that off until later and then forget about it. Exactly. Right. You're going to say, oh, when I, when I have more time, I'll get back to that. It's really important. I just don't have the time now. I'll get back to it. And right. you know what happens with that. So cool. Well, so if you could change one thing about the world today, what would that be? Oh gosh, just one. <laughs> just one. Let's start with one. One, seriously, like anything about the whole world. Sure. Sure. Global warming. Excellent. I would bring the temperature of the Earth down. Cool. cool. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Carbon emissions, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. And then when you think about unstuffing America, what does that conjure up for you? What what uh, when you first heard when you first heard of the show and when you thought about it. When you think about America's stuff challenges in, you know, both the physical, the metaphysical, the spiritual, the psychic, what, what do you right. think of? What does that conjure up for you? Unstuff America. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Americans have too much stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll say it. Um, I think I have too much stuff and everyone I know calls me a minimalist. So uh, isn't that funny? It, right. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person I will go into a bed, bath and beyond and feel depressed because it's just like, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Unstuff America. Yeah. I think, yeah. The, I mean, our whole economy runs on consumerism. Yes. And so it would be great if we could find ways in which to have our economy run on con conservation Right. Or have our economy run on switching things over to being a more green planet and a more sustainable, more towards sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. You kind of, I don't want to be on what they call um, 
think a lot of people on what they call, I guess, Heaton's treadmill. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with that concept? No. Where it's like the bar, you want something, but once you have it, then the bar moves and then you want uh. the next thing. And then the bar moves. So you're just on this treadmill to where it's like. Dissatisfaction. Dis- <laughs> right. Right. So it's like really important um, not to like open up the seal. So it's like, I don't want to be critical of, of people or the way they live. I feel like I'm, I'm better at um, understanding people, but like being more critical of sort of systems mm-hmm. or a system in place. So I don't want to be critical, but like, I, I think that's like the one thing I'm trying to tell my daughter, you know, you don't want to keep moving that if you can be happy without it, be happy without it. If you can right. figure out rather than, because a lot of these, these impulses are sort of, you know, you go into the store for one thing and then you come out with 10 more or exactly that kind of thing. These are, these are, that's very much human nature. So it's, it's kind of putting a container on those impulses by sort of having this higher value system of like for us personally, it's, we live in New York city and we have really, they say 715 but like you don't live in a closet so right we really only have like 700 square feet of livable space and so what do we want that space to be yeah um so because whatever you buy you're gonna want something else i agree i mean i mean you know certainly that's it's it's what drives me i mean that's when we talk about passion i mean that's the thing that and and like you i'm not interested in being critical of individuals as much as systems that encourage people to be mindless consumers instead of mindful producers and uh active citizens i think that there's for many of us certainly here in the united states um stuff is not the problem in the sense of the lack of stuff is not the problem access to stuff is not the problem there are certainly people in the united states who are one of our one of our earlier guests was uh talking about um uh food scarcity and and hunger and i mean there are many people who who do not have access to the fundamental food clothing and shelter and i'm not talking about those but for everybody who is uh who that is not an issue there's no end to the amount of stuff that you can consume, right? From, right. from from the goodwill to Neiman Marcus, it doesn't matter the price point. There's stuff everywhere. And if you're spending your time in a relationship with objects, chances are you're not spending your time in a relationship with a person or an event or an experience. And um, I mean, you might need a tennis racket to play tennis, but you don't need 19 tennis rackets to play tennis. You just right. need one. You know, you need a ball and a racket, and then you can play tennis. So right. this idea of of bringing things in that don't <clears throat> that don't necessarily move you forward, but keep you busy. It's just another way of being busy and not necessarily feeling very happy. Right. No, exactly. And it's really hard around the holidays to kind oh. of convince other people. Like, yeah. No, you know, we really are not going to have room for anything you buy us. Like. Right where you know the cabinets are at capacity like this is how we live and we like to have actually the extra room so you can see it right you know because again it's not in the ideal place so we have right. to actually have a visual <laughs> on our stuff um you know and so it's it's hard especially with my daughter people want to buy her stuff so it's always like oh, you know yeah you know maybe so, an ice cream cone or take her to the park would be a better choice than or yeah, spend some time with her or, yeah. Yeah. or she doesn't or need another toy. 
No, uh, especially I, I think I feel a lot of resentment for toys that only work one way. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's one thing, like there's some toys that are open-ended like bricks or right. um, blocks or, you know, they have all these toys that there's no end to how you can play with them. Right. And they, they last for years because they just evolve with a kid's imagination. Lincoln uh, Logs, all of those things, you oh, know, Lego. Oh, I mean, there are things that you can build stuff with. It doesn't matter. It's just, a, it's a tool. It's a tool in a process. But yes, right. I mean the thing that only does one thing one thing right so, how long you know how long does that engage you and then you're like i i just keep doing the same thing over and over again <laughs> this is, right I, exactly. I can do it on my yeah. head i can do it in a costume but it's and the then they thing. tire of it and then it's and then it's stuff so it's like i mean how do you explain to people like you know and plus we're always editing so it's like how do you explain to people in a gracious way you might as well just like go to the landfill, open up your wallet, dump it in there, <laughs> bury it. And then like, that's pretty much the like three year equivalent of you giving us this gift. Right. You know, so yeah. ask for experiential things or consumable things and that sort of a thing. Yeah. I really would love to see us, um, embrace that in a deeper way as a culture and as a, uh, you know, a, a national community to, to move towards sharing experiences. I just think our, for all of the scrambling around that we do with social media, trying to feel connected with each other, it's really easy to just sh show up at somebody's house and say, hey, let's go take a walk in the park. Let's, you know, let's go do something rather than I'm just going to text at you and think that we're somehow having an experience. Right. No, and, yeah. and I think social media is great for a lot a lot of things. And you can have sometimes like shared experiences um, that are really wonderful. I remember one time I was on social media with friends who worked near the Hudson and were witnessing the plane landing uh -huh. in the Hudson. Right. And to get like a personal account from people you knew in real time was a pretty amazing thing. Sure, sure. Um, so there are those instances. And, and my EpiPen petition was would have been nothing if it weren't for social media because sure. it, it, it could spread. Um, but it's like the news article, right? So it's like there, it's, there has to be boundaries and they have to be limits or it's like winds up being this like monster that eats up everything, including base, like personal, like you said, personal time. Right. You know, these are tools we don't even know. Like these are so like relatively new in the human experience that we don't even know how to use these tools in a productive way versus a destructive one or yes. an ero or erosive one. So yes. it's, it's all of that together. It's like learning how to use these new sort of technologies in a way that benefits us rather than hurts us. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way of um, looking at it. Thank you. So uh, any final thoughts, any um, uh, last ideas thoughts you want to share with fellow unstuffers around unstuffers i think um thinking in terms of what's really helped me like because we weren't always so minimalist you know and it's just more and more and more although we weren't big stuff people to start with um is that the more you when you start getting rid of stuff you start to become very, very selective of what you back, allow back into the into your home, mm -hmm. and it just get, it's a process that you can start small and gets easier and easier and easier until it's just that's just how you how you live, and then 
and and uh, you feel especially like I work at home it's it is it does have a calming effect it it winds up feeling really good to to not have so much more than you need so it does what if you're in the process and it's really hard to declutter I think um it it's a process that gets easier and easier and actually becomes an, an more and more enjoyable as time goes on excellent well that's a lovely way that's a lovely way to button that up thanks let <laughs> everybody know where they can find out more information about you and your work um please where where can okay. we go um, you can find out more about my book on Amazon. You could read a preview. It's actor, writer, whatever. Essays on my rise to the top of the bottom of the entertainment industry. Um, or your local bookstore, <laughs> which is even better to ask for it there. Um, you can learn about me or whatever I'm working on at MelanieKintaya.com or actorwriterwhatever.com. Those websites are usually linked so you could usually navigate to one from the other pretty Perfect. easy. And, and those links will also be in the description um, for, for today's interview as well. So okay, you know, great. make it easy for people. They just have to click on a button. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks, Mel, so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom and enthusiasm for life and um, uh, unstuffing with everybody. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Great. You're welcome. All right. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining in again today on uh, Unstuff America, and we look forward to having you on future podcasts. Of course, uh, remember to rate and review us at iTunes and other places where you're listening, and um, keep up the unstuffing. Thanks for listening to Unstuff America. If you like the podcast, the best compliment you can give us is to share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.